So as you know, we are in the third week of our Christmas at the Movie series, and this morning I will be talking about a Christmas carol. And if you don't know anything about Christmas carol, it was written in 1843 in England by Charles Dickens. And it is so classic that Wikipedia tells me there are 289 different adaptations of this story for movies, for theaters, for radio, for television, for uh, extra stories that have been written. This is a story that our culture loves. And probably for good reason. Charles Dickens was considered to be a literary genius, the best novel writer in the 19th century. And truthfully, to, t- to, to be truthful, I don't know anything about Charles Dickens. I don't remember reading anything from him. Um, but because so many people consider him genius, I thought I need to work hard to make sure I find a version of this story to reflect his genius. And so I happen to know of some geniuses who made a version, and so we're going with that version. We're going with A Muppet's Christmas Carol. <laughs> I love The Muppets. The Muppets are fantastic, and I know they'll do, they'll do right by uh, Charles Dickens. So, you know, the whole gang will be there, Kermit and Gonzo and Rizzo and, and all of them, so I'm excited. Um, so before we get into this first clip, I just want to give you a little bit of context for what you're going to see. Uh, the movie opens up, it's Christmas Eve, it's, it's uh, mid-19th century London, and we come right into Ebenezer Scrooge's office, and they're working in the freezing cold because he's too cheap to throw some coal on the fire. There was a homeowner in his office who was one month uh, behind on his mortgage, and he kicked him out, and then he took a stack of eviction notices to go out later that day, Christmas Eve, and handed them to his employees saying, here, you can take these, and they said, oh, it's Christmas Eve, and he said, well, you can gift wrap them then. So that's where we're coming into. Let's take a look. Now, in these times, it was customary on Christmas Eve for well-meaning gentlemen to call upon businesses collecting donations for the poor and homeless. <gasps> Mr. Scrooge, I presume? Me, 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 me. Who are you? We're from the Order of Victoria Charity Foundation. We'd like to speak to you about a donation. Ah, welcome. This jolly old gentleman here is Mr. Scrooge. He's very generous to charities. My dear nephew. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, many of us feel that we must take care of our poor and homeless. Are there no prisons, no poorhouses? Oh, plenty of those, sir. Excellent. For a moment, I was worried. Some of us are endeavoring to raise a fund for the poor and the homeless. What might I put you down for? Nothing. You wish to remain anonymous? I wish to be left alone. I do not make merry myself at Christmas. That certainly is true. And I cannot afford to make idle people merry. That is certainly not true. Don't you have other things to do this afternoon, my dear nephew? Sadly, I do, Uncle. So I shall make my donation and uh, leave you to make yours. Thank you so very much. Oh, Uncle, come and have Christmas dinner with me and Clara tomorrow. Why ever did you get married? Why? Because I fell in love. (laughs) That's the only thing in the world sillier than a Merry Christmas. It's no use, Uncle. I shall keep my Christmas humour to the last. A Merry Christmas to you and a Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, Fred. Merry Christmas, Bob. I'm back.
now then, sir, about the uh, donation? Well, now, let's see. I know how to treat the poor. My taxes go to pay for the prisons and the poor houses. The homeless must go there. But some would rather die. If they'd rather die, then they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, dear. This is the door. You may use it. All right, Beaker, come along. I think we've taken enough of Mr. Scrooge's time. Oh, dear, dear, dear. What do you want? Uh, a penny for the song, Governor? So there we saw just a little bit of Scrooge's heart. We see uh, his selfish pursuit of wealth for himself. We see he gives no value whatsoever to celebrating Christmas, especially with family. We see that he believes the poor are a drain on society. And Charles Dickens summarizes Scrooge very well with a line that he uh, includes in the story just a little bit later. And so it's not in one of our clips, but I wanted to share, share it with you. Uh, so just after this, it becomes evening. He goes home for the evening, again, Christmas Eve, and he goes to a cold, dark, empty house alone. And he is walking up his cold, dark stairs with his candlestick. And Charles Dickens writes, Up Scrooge went, not caring a button for the dark. Darkness is cheap, and Scrooge liked it. I think this perfectly summarizes the state that he was in. Because of Mr. Scrooge's pursuit of money for so long to build his financial empire, he had cut himself off from God and from man, so much so that the spiritual darkness and the social coldness that he lived was home. It was his preference. It's what he liked. But the higher powers were not planning on leaving him in this cold house for long. They wanted to change his heart. And so as you probably know in this story, he is later visited by three ghosts. The ghost of Christmas past, the, vo the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. I might do that a few more times during this sermon. And so we don't have time to visit all of them, but we're going to spend just a little bit of time with present and with future. And so before he, we look at this next clip with him, uh, with Christmas present, um, he, just to give you an idea, he basically gets a taste of what the joy of Christmas could be outside of his cold and dark home. So let's take a look. Spirit, I had no idea. I wish to see friends, kin. Show me family. It's, it's Fred. My dear nephew Fred and his wife Clara. Having Christmas with friends. Hey, look, 
fruit. Well, there now. We've had the plum pudding and sung the carols. What now, my lovelies? A game, Fred. Yeah, we must have a game at Christmas. Do people play games at Christmas? I, I love games. <laughs> Say, do you know that fruit is wax? Oh, yeah. I wondered about the texture. <laughs> Let's play yes and no. Oh, wonderful game. Oh, oh yes. that's a great game. Yes, I'll be it. Yes, let Fred be it. He always thinks of good things. I do have a good one, Clara. <laughs> yes. Is it vegetable? No. Mineral? No. Animal, then? What else? What else, indeed? Uh, is it found on a farm? Never. In the city? Usually. Oh. Does it pull a handsome cab? <laughs> Certainly not. <gasps> How about a dog? No. A cat. A cat? I said it first. No. Uh. Wait, then. Is it an unwanted creature? Often. A mouse? No. A rat? You called? A cockroach? No. Uh, reach! Oh, dear, it's too wonderful. Wait, wait, I know. An unwanted creature, but not a rat, a leech, or a cockroach. Then what? Then what? What? It's Ebenezer Scrooge. Yes! That's a killer! <laughs> Come, there's much to see. No more. I wish to see no more. So Scrooge gets a taste of Christmas. He gets a little taste of the joy that others have while he's in his cold, dark home. And, uh, but what he didn't count on was getting a taste of what his family really thought of him, that he is valued as much as a mouse or a rat or a cockroach. But this is just the beginning. He's about to be visited by the ghost of Christmas future, and that ghost has a darker, a darker mission. That ghost is gonna show him what Christmas is gonna be like after he dies. And so during his time with the spirit of Christmas future, he sees how his wealth is pillaged, because of course you can't take it with you. He sees how Many of the people in the town are excited, even celebrating his death. And he also sees how his best employee loses his son, Tiny Tim, because he was too cheap to pay him a reasonable salary to take care of his family. And so what Scrooge is going to realize with his time with the spirit of Christmas future is that he is going, unless he changes his ways, he is going to die alone. He is going to die not remembered for anything good, but only remembered for the suffering he brought and for the pain he brought. So let's watch this clip of the last few moments with um, the ghost of Christmas future. Must we return to this place? There's something else that I must know. Is that not true? Spirit, I know what I must ask. I fear to, but I must. Who was the wretched man whose death brought so much glee and happiness to others?
Answer me one more question. Are these the shadows of things that will be, or are they the shadows of things that may be only? These events can be changed. Life can be made right. you show me this if I was past all hope? <laughs> I, I will honor Christmas and try to keep it all the year. <laughs> I will live my life in the past, the present, and the future. I will not shut out the lessons the spirits have taught me. Tell me that I may sponge out the writing on this stone. <laughs> oh, spirit, please speak to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm home. <laughs> yes, the bedposts were his own. The bed was his own. The room was his own. Hi, guys, we're back. We <clears throat> promised we would be. <clears throat> but the thing that made Scrooge happiest of all was that his life lay before him, and it could be changed. I will live my life in the past, the present, and the future of Jacob and Robert Marley. Oh, heaven in the Christmas time be praised for this day. I say it on my knees, Jacob and Robert, on my knees. Oh, they're not torn down. They're here, and I'm here. More's a miracle. Oh. oh, I don't know what to do. I, I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm, I'm as merry as a schoolboy. Um, do you think it's safe for us to be up here? Scrooge is saved. What can happen now? Yeah. You there, boy. What, me? Uh, that is, uh, what, me, sir? What's today? Pardon? What's today, my fine fellow? Today? Well, today is Christmas Day. It's Christmas Day. I haven't missed it. The spirits did it all in one night. They can do anything they like. Of course they can. Of course they can. Uh, of course they can. <laughs> do you know the poultry shop in the next street? Yes, sir, I do. An intelligent lad. A remarkable lad. <laughs> do you know whether the prize turkey has been sold in the window? Oh, the one twice as big as me? It's still there. Oh, it's a pleasure talking with you, lad. Go and buy it. Be serious. I am being serious. Buy it for me and I'll give you a shilling. Oh. No, I'll give you five shillings. What? Wow! <laughs> and so the boy was off like a shot. So even... Oh. Ah! Um, sorry. I'll bring it to Bob Cratchit's house. What a surprise it'll be. It's twice the size of Tiny Tim. 
And a few moments later, dressed in his finest, Scrooge appeared on the streets of the city to wish Merry Christmas to all the world. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Gee, thanks. Everyone was out and about this fine morning, and soon he encountered two familiar faces. Mr. Scrooge? Pardon me, gentlemen, but about the charity donation you asked me for yesterday. Put me down for... That much? Not a penny less. A great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what to say. I just wish there was something we could give you. A gift? A gift for me? Thank you. Thank you. Fifty times, and a Merry Christmas. Here's your turkey, Mr. Scrooge. Follow me, lad. With a thankful heart, with an endless joy, with a growing family, every girl and boy will be nephew and niece to me. Nephew and niece to me. Will bring love, hope, and peace to me. Love, hope, and peace to me. Yes, and every night will end. And every day will start with a grateful prayer and a thankful heart. All right, they did it. The spirits changed his heart. And of course they can. They can do anything, as Scrooge said. But wouldn't that be cool if this would happen in real life? Wouldn't it be neat if this kind of a story was a regular thing? Wouldn't it be cool if there was this this sin line that once somebody just became terrible enough and they hit that sin line that God would do something, that God would make something crazy happen. Like, I don't know, have three angels visit them on Christmas Eve and then take them on a journey kind of like Scrooge's. And then it like was a regular thing. So you'd be at work and you'd, say, and you'd hear your coworkers saying, Oh, hey, did you hear the boss got visited by the angels? Oh, really? Wow, it's about time. <laughs> yeah, he doubled our salaries. Oh, that's great. Like, what if? What if this was normal? I think the reason why this story is a 175-year-old classic and will remain so is because Charles Dickens was hitting on this true subconscious belief we all have that when sin gets bad enough God should do something miraculous or or otherwise God should do something and you can hear this belief that so many of us have in the question if God is good then how could he allow this to happen or when something bad happens to us we ask, why me? Why did something like this have to happen to me? These questions show that the person expects God to act, that sin has hit the line, God. This is the line. You need to do something. What about you? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever asked either of those questions? 
If God is good, how could he allow genocide? If God is good, how could he allow human trafficking? If God is good, how could he allow abusive dictators or just abusive relationships for that matter? If God is good, how could he allow my loved one to pass away like that? If God is good, then why doesn't he do something when this line gets hit? And then we see God apparently not do anything. He's not doing anything when that line is hit over and over. So then we question our faith. And then we question God. We question the world around us. And if this is describing you this morning, if you've asked those questions in the past, if you've asked those questions even right now, then let me say, you are welcome here. I am glad, we are glad that you are here. Process those questions with us. Ask those questions with us. There's a great thing we do on Monday nights called Great Questions. It happens here at our Greenville campus at 7.30 p.m., and that's exactly what we do. We bring the hard questions, we ask them, and then we look at the Bible. What does the Bible say about these hard questions? I invite you to come to that. Number two, if, if you are uh, thinking that way, if you've experienced those thoughts, let me bring you a little bit of encouragement. Because even though it may look like God is not doing anything, even though it looks like God is allowing injustice to go by, the truth is God has never stopped working. God has never stopped working, and the Bible is a testament to that. That's the whole point of Christmas. Why else would the birth of a baby be so important? Why else would a baby's birth to a poor family in ancient Israel be reason to celebrate for some people celebrate, you know, from even before Thanksgiving? Those decorations don't need to go up so early. But, you know, whatever. You can, you can if you want. That's cool. Why else would Christmas be so important? It's because Jesus is the center part of God's plan to do something, to renew his creation. In Genesis, after the first sin event, God promised that the head of the serpent who introduced sin into the world will be crushed. The Old Testament prophets promise us that God's perfect and righteous rule over all nations will come. The Psalms remind us of God's salvation for his people. The New Testament tells us about how that salvation came in the form of Jesus. And then the book of Revelation, almost the last page of the Bible, gives us a great summary of what God's plan will look like when he renews everything. Let's look there together. Revelation 21, 3 through 5. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, 
nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Friends, God promises us that he will make all things new. He will make creation new. He will make our relationships with each other new. He will make our relationships with him new. He will give us a new heart. And he promises to do that now. He promises a new heart to us now. In the scene, uh, that, uh, in the clip that we just watched, there's a scene where Scrooge is, for a lack of a better term, he's converted. And he comes out and he's saying Merry Christmas to everybody and he sees the charity workers and he goes up to them and he whispers his $3.52 million gift that he's gonna give to, to charity that's long overdue. And they gasp and they give him a gift. And what is it? It's a crimson red scarf that he wraps around him and Scrooge says, thank you, thank you, 50 times over, thank you. And I doubt that the Emmy award-winning actor Beaker meant that, <laughs> meant what I saw in it. But what I saw was a reminder that heart change can only come, true heart change can only come through the blood of Jesus. We all have hearts of stone and God promises to give us a heart of flesh through Jesus' payment for our sin. Friends, it is not a matter of waiting for God to move against sin. It is a matter of realizing that God has never stopped moving against sin. It is not a matter of waiting for God to move against sin. It is a matter of realizing that God has never stopped moving against sin. And he has a plan that he is working out right now to renew you and to renew me and eventually all of creation. He has a sin line too. But you know where his sin line is? It's right here. We celebrate Christmas to remind ourselves that God has not forgotten us. That Jesus had paid our sin debt. And remember that one day God will make all things new. Pray with me, friends. God, as we are reminded about the sin and the suffering in our world around us by watching Ebenezer Scrooge and watching how he treated people, remind us of the promise you've given us to make us new and to make creation new. And God, as we we see a little bit of Ebenezer in ourselves sometimes. Rip that out of us. Show us what we need to do to show love to you and to your people every day. We praise your name. We praise you for your plan of salvation, uh, of renewing creation, and we can't wait for it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.